This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 139. What does a realistic budget look like? Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everybody, to our latest episode. I wanted to jump right into last month's question of the month, where we asked you, what was your biggest money mistake? And I'm curious. We had some great feedback, great responses. Thank you to everyone who uh, sent in their audio and, and left us a voice message. It really helps to spice up our episodes and bring some new perspectives here. So thank you for that. And I want to introduce to you now again the question of the month, which was, uh, what is your biggest money mistake? So I want to bring on someone who was able to leave us a voice message. His name is Dawid. Dawid was our first audio uh, clip that we received. And so take it away, Dawid, for uh, details about your very interesting and very cool uh, favorite money mistake. Hey, good morning. Um, figured I'd find some time to actually talk about mine. And so let's see. I think, well, no, not I think. My worst blunder was at a couple of my friends also. Uh, we were just straight out of high school. You know, we have been working like, you know, minimum wage jobs, of course. And, you know, um, when you get into college, you're still in that mindset of just having fun. And so we knew we were getting money from financial aid. And, of course, they told us not to use it for dumb things that, you know, of course, we're going to do anyway. Um, so I allocated some of that money for uh, a radio system. And a car that I wanted to like, you know, use for school. And uh, my friends also did it too. So we went to a well-known store in town, and we talked to the sales guy, and we we're like, "Hey, this is what we want to do." And so they're like, "Yeah, we can hook you up. We can do this, this, that." And they did talk about one thing about, "Hey, you can pay your interest later." And uh, being young and not understanding what deferred interest was, nor did we ask anyone what that was, nor did he try to warn us about what the hell that meant. I think he kind of warned us in a way of saying hey you need to pay this before this point and like we're like yeah yeah yeah, yeah we'll be able to do it so anyway um yeah we bought what we wanted to buy and we bought it with deferred interest yeah that man that sounds like me in college too and most of us right we just don't understand the implications of buying stuff with deferred interest uh in fact you know i'd say the same could be true of our 401ks and iras uh, we we have deferred taxes but we don't always think about what that actually means what that word actually means could we feel comfortable deferring root canals for example not exactly something you want to defer right that's a sneaky word in our financial vocabulary very cool thank you Dawid. uh the next thing we'd want to do is a conversation that i had with ali she had her conversation with me live and we talked through her biggest money mistake. So take it away, Allie. What is, uh, in, in your own words, you know, just kind of take me back there. What What's your favorite or most memorable money mistake? Well, my favorite money mistake isn't the actual loss of money. It's the loss of time and the opportunity of building my money. I didn't get financially literate or educated until about five years ago. I always thought that money was this difficult thing that I'm not smart enough to know. 
even though I'm, I graduated from high school, I graduated from university, I wasn't smart enough. I still didn't understand money. I didn't, I didn't have my Siri 7. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know anything about the stock market. It was just this, this mystery that I needed someone else to take care of it for me. And what, how I started to get financially literate is uh, through the concept of the bank on yourself that uh, was brought to me by my brother. And he um, told me about using the whole life uh, insurance and how it works. But again, I didn't think I was smart enough. And I tried to put the responsibility onto a family member. And it was thanks to this family member, uh, she, she just kind of uh, blew it off, so to speak. And I got really upset. And it was that that pushed me to finally open up a financial book where I took it to the basics from what I remembered in high school, which was the um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. And that just snowballed into a whole new life of where um, I was able to work with Mark and Holly and I opened up a bank on yourself policy. Um, I'm listening to numerous financial podcasts. Um, I listen to uh, the talking heads on TV and I know I hear their lies and I hear the lies that um, Wall Street is telling me and just smiling going, I know you want me to um, get involved with your company uh, because, or with this financial advisor because you want my fees. And I watched the Dow Jones go up and down. I just smile. I'm like, I, I understand this. I'm starting to really learn and understand how this game is being played. So my advice is you're not, money isn't difficult. They try to make it difficult. They try to make it fancy with a bunch of different fancy words, but don't get intimidated because all they want is just your fees and you can do this. It's, it's truly not difficult. And listening to the um, Not Your Average financial podcast with uh, Mark is a great step forward to to reclaiming your power of what you deserve. Um, this information should have been taught in high school. I think freshman year uh, financial education needs to be taught in school. And um, I'm just unfortunately I didn't do you know I did it about five years ago, but I'm able to um, build what I can now. And I'll be able to pass the most important thing, which is the financial education to my children and to other family members. And so uh, that would be my number one favorite money mistake. I don't know if you're watching what happened last night for you today for me in the markets, but uh, it's, it's more wild and crazy stuff. We're down. Right. With the, with the coronavirus and everything. And it just, I just, I just smile though, because it's just, um, I know it's just like a reset and just like, okay, well, we'll, we'll just see what, but I don't feel scared of it because I know what they're doing. I know what's, what's kind of happening with it. And so it's just like, well, you know what? I got out of stock market year, you know, when I started this with Holly and like, I think it was 2015, 13 or something, being able to do something as safe as with um, a bank on yourself, whole life policy. It's a win-win. It, I, I can't say anything better. 
Thank you again, Ali, for taking the time to talk through that with me. And you're so right. Um, many of us sometimes have to take control of our own beliefs about money and deciding for ourselves, even if it means going against the grain of our family or our overall environment. So thank you. Thank you to both you guys and for everyone who submitted uh, their audio uh, clips. And again, we will be doing more questions of the month. So be ready for that. Uh, what about me? My biggest money mistake. Um, you know, I, I look back and we've made certainly a ton of them. Uh, I could talk to you, you know, day and night about some of the problems we had with money early on. Uh, my wife and I joke that uh, budgeting was one of our, uh, a lack of budgeting actually was one of our biggest money mistakes. I mean, budgets are hard. They really are. Uh, not to make excuses here, but Budgets aren't just something that you wake up and want to do. No matter how many times I've been told to start one uh, or recommend even my clients set up their budgets, it's still really tough to sit down on a regular basis and go through what we want our money to do for us. And maybe you're the same. You know, maybe you listening, uh, maybe you want that budget, but you just don't follow it perfectly uh, or even roughly every month. I mean, why do you think that is? Uh, I've tried to think about this for myself. I think in part, it's because we believe that budgets will solve our problem, but budgets won't solve anything. They just sort of sit there like de dead weight. A budget's really only helpful if it's used, and if it's used again and again and again and again. It's Budgets are kind of like uh, musical instruments, like just like that piano that's just sitting collecting dust in your living room or that guitar just sitting in its case. It's just going to take up space in your house unless you regularly sit down to play it. And sort of like a musical instrument, the first six months of you trying that budget on for size uh, is going to be terrible. You know, just like playing that musical instrument for six months or so, it's going to be terrible. Uh, so let's just get real here, right? Uh, nobody ever teaches you um, how to budget, and at least not me. And if nobody ever teaches you scales, and if no one ever talks to you about how to read music, it's going to be a really tough road learning how to play that musical instrument. You'd be left to your own devices unless you figure out how that blasted thing works, right? Um, let's imagine for a moment a hypothetical world where the only career in this world, in this hypothetical world we're creating, the only way you could get to work, have a meaningful career, was in music. Let's say for some reason, all under other industries had ceased to exist. The only thing humans were good for and could do was to sing or play a musical instrument. Now imagine that this world was, uh, you know, that was a world that absolutely demanded that you play a musical instrument if you were going to make it in life financially. Your bills, your job, your career, your retirement, your legacy all depended on you being able to play that instrument. Now. Looking at that world, would you be surprised if I told you that this hypothetical society had absolutely no training on how you might play a musical instrument? Would you be shocked to learn that people in this world might go through 12 years of primary school and secondary education and then four years of ed advanced education without ever being once uh, told that they need to pick up an instrument and at least pluck around on the strings? How would you feel about the prospects for this civilization? You know, maybe it's only 1% of the population who might take it upon themselves to see their future in front of them, realize how important it was to become proficient in not just one musical instrument, but maybe even multiple instruments. 
maybe they'd play the guitar and piano and kazoo every single day after their pointless education, quote, education all day long. They'd know exactly how to pivot away from the flute playing if there were way too many flute players and they could pick up the guitar and just do fine in life financially with that. Now, unfortunately, they probably would have also been reviled and even maybe hated by all the other people who compliantly followed their school's rules, uh, their pointless education, wondering how that, um, that small elite group of people got so far ahead. Maybe you're starting to see the connection now. A budget is sort of like a musical instrument. We have no education or expectation in our current educational environment that encourages us to manage this thing called money in our lives. I mean, I didn't. Uh, I never had a personal finance class ever uh, in all of my years of education. It's not until we open up a credit card or two, sometimes not until years after those cards have been opened and blown up into a massive amounts of debt that we figure out that we probably ought to pay attention to what we're, sp we're spending and, and what we're earning. Now, there's a select group of people who are the weird ones. They are the not-your-average revolutionaries who take it upon themselves to learn this thing called money and money management. They figure out that very quickly we need a realistic budget and what one should look like. And they get their, their needs to be a set of rules that they follow, scales, arpeggios, principles that they stick to, both in good times and bad. They know that their budget is not just something that they have to do or that they should do someday in the future, but that a budget truly properly conceived is something that can free them, provides freedom for what they actually want to do. And here's how you do it. So step one, to create a realistic budget, you have to budget your cash flow first. The first and most accessible place that you can start in on this journey of learning the musical instrument of your budget is to budget your monthly cash flow. This is what people typically think of when they think about budgeting. Now, here's some ideas for not only creating a budget, but realistically sticking to it as well. Now, the first and most important question when you're starting to make a budget of your cash flow is, what do I currently have in my accounts? And what do I need it to do for me before I get paid again? I'm going to say that question again because it's super important. And it's one that you'll ask yourself a thousand times as you go through budgeting. The question is, what do I currently have in my accounts and what does it need to do for me before I get paid again? That's a key question. So what do I need that money to do for me before I get paid again? That's a question that should drive really everything else that happens as you work on your budget. It's like the orchestra tuning to A, if you know what I mean, where one single note, every instrument at the beginning of the concert will tune to the, the A note to make sure every instrument is tuned together. Now, following that question is a discussion about priorities. And I would typically recommend you have this discussion verbally with another person, even if it's, um, you know, you're, maybe it's, maybe you're single, uh, maybe you don't have a partner that works on your budget with you, but it would be so invaluable to find a friend that you could swap budget conversations with. You see, budgeting is really a conversation about priorities. It's about priorities. It's not about numbers. It's not about how much you know, you can go out to eat. Um, it's really a question about priorities. You can't take that helicopter ride if you don't have at least a month's worth of money for food. Priorities, priorities. So we believe, like our friends over at You Need a Budget or YNAB, that there are four rules for budgeting. 
I'm going to give them a quickly again on this episode, but if you'd like to hear the entire walkthrough, please go back to episode 19 where we get into this in more detail. Rule number one, give every single dollar a job. Now, you get to spend all of this money on paper or maybe it's on a computer screen, Excel file, or on the YNAB software before you spend it in the real world. As soon as you get money, you'll need to decide what it needs to do. Instead of buying something based on your impulse or your mood, your money is a part of a rock-solid plan that you've spent on paper before you spend it in the real world. You're prioritizing your dollars and you want to get every single dollar a job, and meaning don't leave any of your money unemployed. If your dollars are unemployed, guess what? They're going to go find somewhere else to work. And that's somebody else's money, right? That's a promise. Good budgeting is also about giving each dollar only one job. The truth is, if you don't have a working budget, you might have your dollars doing multiple jobs in your mind, which can also spell disaster. So there's kind of two problems here. You can either forget to give your dollars a job, leaving them unemployed, or you can give them so many jobs that you spend them multiple times in your mind and forget about the real needs uh, in the reality. You know, someone buys a nice steak dinner to impress their date, only to remember the next morning that their light bill was due. They gave their dollars more than one job. So when you give your dollar a job, you'll know to order that affordable salad instead of a steak next time. That's rule number one, give every dollar a job. Rule number two is to embrace your true expenses. This is about realizing that every person has those weird, irregular expenses that don't happen every month. There's no perfect monthly budget, just like there's no ideal week on your calendar. Every week comes with its own unique circumstances, opportunities, challenges. You know, maybe in April, you have four birthdays in the family with gifts and meals aplenty. And maybe in September, you get a yearly bonus. Maybe that infrequent auto insurance premium only comes twice a year. If you don't plan for those irregular expenses, you'll constantly be thrown off and you'll end up giving up hope on budgeting as a practice. If you don't track those true expenses, you won't be ready to pay for them when the time comes. However, when you follow rule two and embrace your true expenses, you'll simply create a category in your budget to fund on a monthly level that when that irregular expense arrives, you just pay it. So you want to have Christmas money ready to go this year. Rather than throwing it all on credit cards in December, maybe just save 50 bucks a month all year long so you've got 600 bucks ready to go when the red suit uh, heads down the chimney, so to speak. So rule number three is rolling with the punches. Roll with those punches. Even when you try to embrace your true expenses, nobody can see the future. There's always going to be unexpected medical bills. There's going to be kids, school, calling, shaking you down for another field trip expense. Uh, we need to be ready to make adjustments to those monthly commitments. Priorities can change. And so should your budget. Let's say your coworker has had a bad day at work and he asks you to come out for dinner and drinks to help console them. A rigid budgeteer would have to say no, and they'd lose that friend in the process over time. Maybe you can hit that bar with the buddy after all. You'd end up spending more than you expected, right? Are you going to have to you know, shred that budget? No, not at all. You can roll with the punches, make some adjustments the next day or the next week, the next time you sit down to look at your budget and add some more to the budget, uh, the eat out category uh, the following morning and move on with your life. No guilt. The problem with most budgets is that they're too rigid. Finally, rule number four is age your money. 
when you only spend the money you earned last month, this month, you never have to worry about waiting for the next paycheck to arrive. Our goal for our families and our clients is to learn to live on last month's income. Imagine how that would feel to use last month's income to pay for this month's expenses. Now, some people have 30 days of money waiting for them each month, but other people, and this is the truth, um, only have their money 30 minutes in their account before it gets spent. Now, just like a good wine or a good cheese, if you can age your money up to a point before it's spent, everything just tastes better. There's no worry that you'll not have money there. You earned it last month. So these are our four rules and the philosophy we take when putting together a budget for cash flow. Now, there's going to be some important things that we talk about in our next episode, which is how do we apply these same four rules, not just for our checking, but also for our long-term savings and investing. What about how you budget your bank on yourself type policies? How might that look with these four rules? So let's use these uh, four rules for our takeaway for this episode. Uh, you know, takeaways I had were, you know, I found if you do nothing else with this episode, if you just implement these four rules in your budget this week, hey, what do I have in my checking account today? What do I need this money to do for me before I get paid again? If you ask that question and nothing else happens, you're going to find yourself at greater peace of mind, having confidence that you can meet your financial objectives this week. That's one takeaway. Uh, second, we have a link, a, a, a web link that gives you a free month of the You Need a Budget software. Uh, I don't make any money off this. It just gives you an extra free month too if you sign up. So you get 34 days for free, I believe, no matter what. Uh, but if you go to bit.ly slash extra YNAB, and we'll include that link in our show notes, uh, you can have access to a second month totally free on us. So if you do nothing else, try budgeting your checking account with YNAB for a month. It's totally free. See how that four rules would change how you experience budgeting from something that might feel like a chore to something that eventually might break, break you free to the next level in your financial freedom journey. So that's our content for today. I want to talk through our question of the month and leave that with you. The question this month is, what concerns you most about your retirement right now? What concerns you most about your retirement right now? We've had a lot of changes in our financial environment in the last few months. What's your biggest concern about where life is headed, where your retirement is headed right now? You can go to speakpipe.com slash NYAFP to find that link and leave us a up to 90 seconds uh, clip of what's your biggest concern about your retirement right now. Finally, Benny O23 writes, uh, hidden gem, five stars. This podcast gives you hidden gems by providing great information that isn't readily available. The concepts make sense. The math works. And I love the many different ways the strategy is beneficial if applied correctly. Keep up the great work and keep the content coming. That's a five-star review and a listener shout out to Benny023. Thank you, Benny. And we certainly will keep that content coming. Uh, but for now, we've got to stop the content today so you guys can get on to budgeting. Give that a try and let me know your thoughts. Uh, and thank you again for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, your budget, and your future. 
This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.